Today my heart will beat 103,369 times. My blood will travel 160 million miles. I'll breathe 23,400 times and I'm going to eat about 3 pounds of food, drink 2.9 pounds of liquid, and perspire about 1.43 pints of sweat. I'm going to give off 85.3 degrees of heat and generate 450 tons of energy. I'll speak about 4,800 words. I'll move 750 major muscles. My nails are going to grow 0.01714 inches, and I'll exercise 7 million brain cells. No wonder I'm tired. Hello, I'm Tim Riordan, pastor of Sunrise Baptist Church in Noonan, Georgia. I'm an author of several books. I'm a husband, a father, grandfather, and I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining me today for another podcast in this series I've entitled Held by Hope. Our theme verse for this series is found in Hebrews 6.19. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast. The normal activities of life can be exhausting, but life is not just filled with normal activities. You may know that my community here in Noonan, Georgia, was hit by a devastating tornado last week. Many people around me have lost much, and a lot of us are working together with our neighbors to remove fallen trees and help people rebuild their lives. It's easy to get weary and even discouraged when life takes unexpected turns. What do you do in times like that? It doesn't just have to take a natural disaster to turn your life upside down. The truth is that unexpected turns in life should be expected. Abnormal is more normal. Again, what do you do? The answer is you hope. We need an anchor that is sure and steadfast, and that anchor is hope. The word hope is both a noun and a verb. Today I want to focus on the action part of hope by looking at one of my favorite Old Testament passages in the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah can be divided into at least two sections. I know that chapter divisions were not a part of the original inspired text. They were added later. But it's interesting to see how these two sections coincide with the whole Bible. The Bible is divided into two sections, like the Old Testament and the New Testament. The first section of Isaiah is 39 chapters long, just like the 39 books of the Old Testament. And the second section is 27 chapters long, just like the 27 books of the New Testament. One main focus of the Old Testament is judgment, and the first 39 chapters in Isaiah is often referred to as the Book of Judgment. The second 27 chapters of Isaiah is often called the Book of Comfort, and it carries the theme of hope, just like the New Testament. I want to look briefly at the opening chapter to this Book of Comfort, Isaiah chapter 40. I want us to focus on the action part of hope. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31 states, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I want us to see a few things from this passage about hope as an anchor for our soul. First of all, we can see, don't be surprised when you're weary. Don't be surprised. That's what this passage points to. He says he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. You see, stress and trouble are normal for us. And whenever we go through times of stress, it has a tendency to isolate us. We tend to move toward isolation whenever we find ourselves discouraged or overwhelmed. It's interesting how we do that. I believe it's part of our great spiritual battle. The Bible says we have an enemy of our soul. The scripture calls him the devil or Satan. 
It also says he is crafty and scheming for ways to trip you up and make you fall. It says he's like a roaring lion roaming around seeking someone to devour. You see, Satan knows that we are far easier prey in isolation than we ever would be in community. First, he wants to make you feel isolated from God. Then he wants to make you become isolated from people. Have you ever watched the animal shows on public TV or on the Nature Channel? The lions and the tigers on the African plain follow the herds of antelope waiting on one of them to get isolated. It's usually when one of them gets alone that the predator attacks. God reminds us in Isaiah chapter 40 that being weary and overwhelmed by life is not weird. It's not strange. It's normal. He says, don't be surprised when you find yourself at the end of your rope. He says, even young people face stress and get tired, both emotionally and physically. Don't let Satan make you feel alone during those times. Refuse to embrace isolation. Instead, move toward community. God didn't make us to go through life alone. Do you remember God's conversation with Adam in the Garden of Eden? He said, it's not good for a man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for you. So first, don't be surprised when you're weary. Instead, choose community. The second thing we can see from this passage, don't be self-sufficient when you're weak. Don't be self-sufficient when you're weak. We have a tendency to try to do everything ourselves. Now, I said don't be self-sufficient. The truth is we can't be self-sufficient. If you look up the word sufficient in the dictionary, it says something like having enough to meet the needs of a situation or a proposed end. I'm not a proponent of laziness. One problem I think we have in our country is that too many people wait around on the government or on someone else to solve their problems. God wants us to work and God wants us to work hard. Sometimes in life, however, we face trials and problems that are overwhelming and they're too difficult to handle. What do you do in times like that? Like I've already said, we need community. We need friends. But more than that, we need God. In verses 30 and 31 of this Isaiah 40 passage, it says, Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Ultimately, our hope must be in God. I love in this passage in verse 31, it says, Those who hope in the Lord. You know, it's interesting in that passage, the name that God chose for himself in that passage is his personal name, Yahweh. It's that Hebrew word that God told to Moses, This is my name. In other words, God says, when you hope in me, it's a personal statement. It's an invitation to intimacy. When you hope in me, God says, I will renew your strength. Did you hear God's credentials mentioned in verse 28? He asked this question, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. Do you notice those first two questions? It's like God asked those questions because our actions prove that evidently we are trusting in our own abilities instead of God's sufficiency. This passage says that God is everlasting. He is the creator. We're not. He doesn't get weary. We do. He knows everything. We don't. Everything, the scripture says. God knows what's going on now. He understands what happened yesterday. He knows what's going to go on tomorrow. One reason we find ourselves in a mess sometimes is because we don't know what to do or we're just simply out of gas. We're exhausted. We're depleted. God always knows what to do and he's never depleted of strength. Don't be self-sufficient. Instead, choose God. Choose God. I want to point out something in our theme verse, Hebrews 6, 19, that I think is, is very powerful. Again, that verse says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil, is how the whole passage says. 
Maybe the first part of that verse makes good sense. Hope in God is like an anchor for our soul, an anchor that will not fail, an anchor that will not let us down. But what about the second part? It says this hope enters within the veil. What does that mean? Do you remember when Israel first became a nation way back in the Old Testament? They were nomadic. God led them to build a huge tent to use as a central part of their worship experience. This tent was called the tabernacle. The tabernacle was basically a fenced off area that was like one huge rectangle. And in the back third of that rectangle was a tent that was divided into two compartments or two sections. The first section of that tent was called the holy place. And the innermost part was called the holy of holies. The Ark of the Covenant was kept in the Holy of Holies. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was a big golden box with angels on each side, seraphim. The Ark contained the Ten Commandments that God inscribed on a stone. It contained a bowl of manna and Aaron's rod that budded. You can read about those symbols and what they stood for in those events in the Old Testament. The high priest would go into the Holy of Holies once a year to pour the blood of the sacrifice on top of the Ark of the Covenant called the Mercy Seat. It's really a, a great expression of God's grace and God's mercy in that instead of seeing the condemnation of the law that was inscribed on the Ten Commandments, he saw the mercy offered through the blood of the sacrifice. Now, God's presence would fill this inner room, and it became a visual reminder that God was with them. In the 25th chapter of Exodus, God actually said to Moses to build a tabernacle so that he could dwell among them. Now, no one thinks that God needed a tent to live in. He wanted a visual reminder for Israel that God was with them. However, when Hebrews 6 says this hope enters the veil, it's saying that through hope we have intimacy with God. This great God, the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, the one who does not grow tired or weary in his understanding, no one can fathom. In other words, God is inviting you and inviting me to enter into this inner room that once was closed off, it was sealed off. Only the high priest could go in there one time a year. You may remember in the New Testament, the Bible tells us that when Jesus died on the cross, that big thick curtain in the temple now is a permanent temple. The big thick curtain in the temple in Jerusalem that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. The Bible says that curtain was torn in two. It was like an invitation to the world that says, while this back section was once closed off, while God was once removed, now because of the shed blood of Jesus on the cross, God is accessible. We can now enter into this Holy of Holies and enter into a personal, intimate relationship with Almighty God. God is inviting you to enter. You see, Jesus died and rose again from the grave to make this possible. We enter that kind of relationship as we turn from our sin and we turn to Jesus. When we submit our lives to Jesus as Lord and Savior, we enter into this living hope. So God tells us, don't be sufficient when you're weak. Instead, choose God. Choose God, not self-sufficiency. Here's a third thing that we can pull from this passage. Don't live in the muck when you can soar like an eagle. Listen again to Isaiah 40, 31. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Do you see in this verse that hope is a verb? Those who hope in the Lord. As a verb, the word means to look forward to with desire and reasonable confidence, to believe something, to desire something, or to trust. Some translations say trust in the Lord, and others even say wait for the Lord. All of those words capture the true meaning of this Hebrew text. 
It means that we make a conscious choice to lean in toward God, to wait on His strength and to count on His presence. It's an act of faith. It's a choice of belief. It means that in comparison to God, we recognize that every other alternative pales. When we choose hope, our strength is renewed. We soar instead of wallow. We run instead of crawl. We need to ask ourselves, why belly crawl like a worm when we can fly like an eagle? See, hope is not just a noun. It's a verb. It calls for action. Don't be surprised when you're weary. Choose community because we need each other. But don't be self-sufficient when you're weak. Choose God because He is the eternal God who can meet you in every circumstance. Don't live in the muck of life when you can soar like an eagle. Choose hope. Thanks for listening today, and thanks to Southern Penn Bookshop for hosting this broadcast. You can find Southern Penn Bookshop at the Mercantile Building in downtown Monroe, or you can visit them online at southernpennbookshop.com. My name is Tim Riordan. You can learn more about me or my books at my website, timriordan.com. I'd love to hear from you and to be able to pray for you and your family. Visit my contact page on my website and drop me a note. It's my name, timriordan.com. I hope you and your family have a wonderful Easter where you spend time reflecting upon God's marvelous gift and powerful resurrection. In the meantime, hope in the Lord and you will renew your strength. You'll soar on wings like eagles. You'll run and not grow weary. You'll walk and not be faint.